Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Wake up, you 
Shai'ir 
a difference no matter how slight can you see in the end every inch plays its part in bringing my painting to life all the colors did not understand Splendor or grace, I'm just a mistake, it appears. And he cried to the heavens and poured out his heart as the pain slowly turned into tears. I can't see how their colors all blend and combine in my darkness compared to their. can tell every brush, every stroke, every touch makes a difference except for mine. In the shadows of others, so bold and so bright, how can my colors possibly shine? asked in a voice so so kind why the color did not play his part you're my creator you know i'm unworthy just to stain on your work of art instead of replying the artist just smiled and whispered my friend Say no more And touching the paint Let the tears on his fingers And holding them high Took them far from the canvas To a view they could not see before Can you see how your colors All blend and combine How the darkness fades So you see in the end, you two play a part in bringing my pain.
J.M. in the A.M. Whoa. The Artist, done by Ari Goldwag. Mike Boxer's Bill Vavi. You heard Espanecha, done by YBC. Bitachon had a lecha. The Krakow Nigun was Kolachai. Bitachon, Zavino Malkenu. Av Harachamim from Tzvi Silberstein. The Maccabees had Arim Roshi. Our Monday morning theme song, Masecha Hashem. That was Mayor Sherman. And, of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Monday on this May the 13th, day 8 in the month of ER, the year 5779, Tufshin I and Tess. Today is day number 23 in the counting of the Omer, 23. That's three weeks and two days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. After all, getting toward the halfway point of Sfirah to Omer, we want to keep the streak going. Today is Bahab, the first of the three-day Bahab. If you're not familiar with that custom, you can certainly consult with your local rabbi. <clears throat> 44 degrees outside here in New York with 93% humidity. Winds are north at 7 miles per hour. Rain today with a high of 51. That's a, boy, every day rain. It's unbelievable this month of May. Uh, tonight, showers early, a low 45. Tomorrow, afternoon showers and a high of 52 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 85 degrees. Wow. That's nice. We're at 44 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. <laughs> Quite a difference, huh? Trucker Yitz says, good morning, y'all. 45 degrees this morning, but a beautiful day on upstate New York. He's at Lake Katrine and says, thanks for the music. Thank you, Trucker Yitz. Anybody out there would like to comment on the app, go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android or iPhone. Comment away. Let us know where you are, what you want to hear, et cetera, et cetera. It's a Sphere Format Monday. Robert Katz is going to join us. After all, OLOXC is uh, practically right around the corner. So we'll talk about that. Also, a, um, a visit from a uh, representative of a group in Israel that's doing a tremendous amount for lone soldiers. We'll explain all coming up. And other uh, other things we're also featuring this morning here. Lot, lots of things we're featuring this morning here at JMM. So be patient, everybody. Lots of great guests and wonderful things happening between now and 9 a.m. Keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It's JM in the AM.
learn, learn some Zachariah, learn, learn, learn some Jeremiah, learn, learn, learn some Obadiah, learn. Do the Lubavitcher twist. The Lubavitcher twist. Oh, shake it up, say it now. Shake it up, say it. Ain't gonna work on Saturday. No, I won't. No, I won't. Big it down your cumber. Big it down your cumber. Teach me. to me there used to be a minion around but one of us passed away and we've been feeling down yet now it seems as though another jew has been found won't you stay with us for shabbos minion man i step off the bus in mobile alabama was slowly setting on the bay. It was six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. Then two more went into a shop that read closed on the door. There was a minion in the back of a hardware store. Nine men waiting for one more. We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song. The Chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. He sang out his words. Then Marin came again, I had to be moving now. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there 
Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a million around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? Oh, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? Please, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? Off of Schlockapella, that's Minion Man here at JM in the AM, America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, Lenny Solomon and uh, Baruch Hagever with Schlockapella before that. Ari Goldwag had the artist. Monday morning on this 13th of May, the 8th of ER. Good morning. 23rd day in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. That's three weeks and two days. It's also the first day of Bahab. News from Israel is coming up. Plenty to talk about this morning. We have a lot of special guests who are going to be joining us in studio here at JM in the AM. We'll kick it off with Robert Katz, who's actually going to be with us live via telephone. We'll be talking about the uh, OHEL OXC, as we want to make sure to make that event as successful as possible. And Bezrat Hashem, we will. That's coming up, and that's coming up very, very soon. Uh, it's a Monday with a reminder that we're in the midst of a uh, fundraiser. Uh, fu- we don't call it fundraising marathon anymore, but it's certainly our spring fundraiser for 2019. And I want to thank those who have already given generously. And there are many of you who have already come through with generous donations. And that gets you a big, big thank you and a big commitment from us to keep things going every single morning and every single day here at the Nahum Single Network. If you haven't yet had an opportunity to give, uh, if there's an envelope sitting in your home, please send it back with as generous a donation as possible. Uh, otherwise, you can go to the website, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. That's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Again, fjbunity.org. Submit a donation and help us keep going here as we are, in fact, a listener-supported network and one that uh, you can be very, very proud of. Go to fjbunity.org and give as generously as possible. In the background, Galitzal, our news is coming up, plus plenty more, of course, as our sphere format continues until next Thursday when we do our big Lagbomer music blowout. If you've been paying attention 
to the uh, flyer that we released, the announcement we released with our special programming at this time of year. We've done our Yom HaShoah program, we've done our Yom HaZikaron program, we've done our Yom HaTzmud program, we still have our Lagba Omer show and our Yom Yerushalayim show to go. So um, take advantage of the fact that we have some amazing specials this time of year uh, that really help enhance the calendar and the listening experience. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday is next. Boker Tov from Jam the בחלוף 45 שנה, תושב הצפון טוען שרצח את החיילת רחל הלר, מדווח כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל. מדובר באדם כבן 70 תושב אחד הכפרים באזור קרמיאל שהתייצב אתמול בתחנת המשטרה בעיר והודה ברצח החיילת רחל הלר בשנת 1974. כמו כן הוא הודה ברצח נוסף של אדם בשנת 1970. היום הוא ערך מעצרו עד ליום שני הקרוב. וכן הוצא צו איסור פרסום על כל פרטי החקירה לבקשת המשטרה. ככל הידוע, הוא ישלח לבדיקה פסיכיאטרית. החקירה על כל פנים רחוקה מאוד מלהסתיים. נשיא המדינה ריבלין נענה לבקשת ראש הממשלה נתניהו להעניק לו ארכה בת שבועיים למשא ומתן להרכבת הממשלה. כתבתנו שיר עזרף מציינת שעל פי חוק יסוד הממשלה, לנתניהו ניתן פרק זמן של 28 ימים להרכבת הממשלה, ונשיא המדינה רשאי להאריך תקופה זו לעוד 14 ימים נוספים. חבר הכנסת יאיר לפיד מכחול לבן טען לפני זמן קצר, נתניהו רוצה להעביר את חוק החסינות על מנת לחמוק מעונש מאסר. במסיבת עיתונאים שכינס בכנסת, אמר לפיד, אני קורא לחברי הכנסת להתאחד נגד החוקים שמקדם ראש הממשלה. תשאלו את עצמכם באיזה מדינות השליט חסין בפני החוק. אין דבר כזה בדמוקרטיה. אני אומר מפה לבחירי הקואליציה, לגידון, לגלעד, ליולי, לכחלון, לרב פרץ. אם בשעה הזו לא תקומו ותעצרו את החוקים האלה, יזכרו לכם את זה כל החיים. מדבריו הביא כתבנו יובל הראל. לאחר המפלה בבחירות, מפלגת העבודה תקדים את הבחירות לתפקיד יושב הראש, כתבנו הפוליטי מיכאל האוזר טוב. הפריימריז לראשות העבודה התקיימו כבר בחודש נובמבר הקרוב, זאת לאור התוצאה הנמוכה מאוד אליה הגיעה המפלגה בבחירות, והרצון של יושב ראש המפלגה, אבי גבאי, לפנות את תפקידו. גבאי הוא שהציע להקדים את הבחירות הפנימיות, והוא אינו צפוי להתמודד בהן. עם זאת, לפי שעה, אין בכוונתו לעזוב את הכנסת. תאונת עבודה בחניון מתחם האירוויזיון בתל אביב, עובד נפצע קשה מגוף תאורה. מפונה לבית החולים איכילוב לקבלת טיפול רפואי. כתבנו יואב אונגר. נהג משאית בן 66 מפרדס חנה נפצע מקריסת עגלת ציוד בחניון במתחם האירוויזיון באקספו תל אביב. הוא טופל במקום על ידי רופא ופונה באמבולנס לבית החולים איכילוב. מצבו מוגדר קשה והוא נמצא כעת בחדר ניתוח. שוטרים זומנו למקום עם נציג משרד העבודה לחקירת נסיבות האירוע. המתיחות בין וושינגטון לטהרן, שר החוץ של בריטניה ג'רמי האנט, מביע חשש מפני החרפת העימות בין הצדדים. כתבת חדשות החוץ עמית חדד. אנו מודאגים מאוד מהיתכנות של עימות ומהסלמה שתתרחש מבלי שהתכוונו לכך, אמר האנט בוועידה בנושא הסכם הגרעין שנערכה בבריסל בהשתתפות נציגי גרמניה, צרפת ובריטניה. קודם הפגישה הצהירה שרת החוץ של האיחוד האירופי פדריקה מוגריני כי האיחוד ימשיך לתמוך בהסכם הגרעין ולשמרו. בפגישה השתתף גם שר 
החוץ האמריקני מייק פומפאו, שביטל את ביקורו במוסקבה כדי להגיע לדיון. התאחדות המלונות פנתה לשר התיירות יריב לוין בבקשה שיעצור את סגירת שדה דוב, מדווח כתבנו אליאב בטיטו. במכתב ששלחו כתבו לשר לוין, כבר כעת מאז נפתח נמל התעופה החדש בערבה, אנו חשים על בשרנו את הירידה החדה במספר הטיסות מנתב"ג ומהשדה בחיפה, בשיעור של למעלה מ-20 אחוזים. עוד הזהירו, המכה תהיה קשה אף יותר בחודשי הקיץ, אם שדה דוב ייסגר כמתוכנן ב-1 ביולי. ומזג האוויר שרבי, אבל מחר יהיה הרבה יותר חם. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
Monday morning with ABD, Elena L'Shabeach, on this May the 13th, the 8th of ER. Good morning, everybody. Today's day 23 in the counting of the Omer, day number 23. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Mendy Werdiger had the base on Mikdash medley, Baruch HaGever, done by Leif Tahar, and of course, Shlach Capella with the holiday of Tisha B'av and Samson's flowing hair. 27 minutes after 7 o'clock on a Monday with 44 degrees, some rain, and a high of 51. Pretty hot day in Yerushalayim. They've got 85 degrees. Not so here. <laughs> here it's 44. Uh, if you want to comment on the app, go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. want to thank DCAT. Says nothing better than running while listening to Nahum Siegel. I appreciate that. Listener Daniel says AJA carpool number 255 is on the road again. <laughs> thank you, carpool 255. Hope you're enjoying the... Uh, Sphere presentation on this 23rd day in the counting of the Omer. Today's the first day of Bahab. If you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Rabbi David Goldwasser, with morning chizuk. Good morning. The Talmud and Tainus tells us that once it was during Aliyah Saregel, there was no water available for drinking. Nakdimon Ben-Gurion was very wealthy. He approached the Lord and asked him to lend him 12 wells of water. He would repay him with 12 wells of water. Otherwise, he would compensate him with 12 measures of silver. They fixed the time when he would repay him for the water. When the time for the repayment came, unfortunately, no rain had fallen. So the man sent a messenger to Nakdimon, Either return to me the water or pay me the money you promised. Nakdimon replied, It is still the morning. I have time. The whole day is mine. At midday, once again, the man sent Nakdimon a message and asking him, Either give me the water or the money. Nakdimon replied, There was still time left in the day. Later in the afternoon, once again, the man sent Nakdimon the same message. Nakdimon replied, I still have time. Then the individual who had lent all of the water went in and he said, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to take away all the money. Nakdimon went to the base of Mikdosh. He davened, Ribbana Shalom, Hashem, it's revealed and known before you that I didn't do this for my honor the honor of my house, only for your honor. I wanted water to be available for those coming to Yerushalayim. Immediately, the sky became covered with clouds and rain fell until the 12 wells were filled with water and there was even water left over. 
when the man came out, Nakdimim and Goryan came out of the Beis Hamikdash, and he said to him, Give to me the money for the extra water that you received. The man said, I know that Hashem only disturbed the world for your sake, yet my claim against you for the money still holds good, because the sun had already set and the rain fell on my time. Nakdimon then went into the base of Mikdush and Davin. Hashem, make it be known that you have beloved ones in this world. Immediately, the clouds dispersed and the sun broke through. When the man saw this, he realized that Hashem is going to protect Klau Yisroel. And of course, he was able to get the water repaid. The question is, why did Nakdimon Ben-Gurion wait until nightfall? Why didn't he right away daven to Hashem and ask that the water should come down while it was still light? Why did he wait till the last minute? The answer is that the Zohar tells us that we should never ever lose hope, even after a person is still broken, but they gather their last kochos to grab onto Hashem, Hashem saves him. Sometimes it is with the Yeshua, with salvation, that Hashem waits until the moment when a person really shows that they are Kaveh al Hashem. The Zoyar says that when a person is Miyayish, they've already given up, they're broken, yet he comes with all of his Kaychas and he doesn't lose faith in Hashem. At that moment, his Yeshua comes. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. and the A.M. on a Monday as we're heading back to school and back to work on a Sphere of Format Monday. It's day 23 in the counting of the Omer. Day 23, if you haven't, uh, <clears throat> if you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Well, many of you, many of you know that um, Robert Katz is a dear old friend, or I should say longtime friend. Old sounds terrible. A longtime friend of mine. He's also chief development officer at OHEL. And to prove that he is a real friend, I can give you an amazing piece of evidence. You know that the OHEL Extreme Challenge Classic is coming up, and we'll give you all the details in just a moment. It's happening on Sunday, May the 19th. It's coming Sunday. But to prove what kind of friend he is, Robert Katz is not requiring that I do the OHEL Extreme Challenge. Challenge Classic. Robert Katz, welcome back to JM in the AM. <laughs> we don't have insurance that would cover that. <laughs> you are a real friend. You let me promote it. You let me tell people to join it. You encourage me to tell people to contribute to it and to sponsor the participants. But you do not insist that I be one of the participants in the OHEL Extreme Challenge Classic. You're quite a friend. You know what insurance salesmen are like, Malcolm. <laughs> None of them would underwrite this. <laughs> you don't have to. By the way, back, back to the words of Rabbi Goldwasser. So, Nakdimon Ben Gurion, they named an airport after him. That was very nice. Very good, Rob. How long yeah. were you, How long were you thinking of that one? <laughs> <laughs> this I was, listening, I was listening, listening to Rabbi Goldwasser, of course. Good morning, Mazel Tov. to Stacy and Nachum Siegel on the engagement of their son Benjamin. Kayla Levinson of the Five Towns. Tadaraba. They thank- are a recently engaged couple. <laughs> they are a recently engaged couple. I hear, I hear, I see you've heard the big news, Baruch Hashem. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I've always wanted to say uh, Benjamin Siegel and recently engaged couple in the same sentence. So. Uh, yeah, fair. Thank you. I appreciate that. We appreciate I got, it. I got, I got a chance to do it now. We're, we're getting, set, getting set for the big celebration. All right. Um, this coming Sunday. Now, this may be the only group for whom this weather is irrelevant because they're going to be going through a, a lot of rough spots, a lot of mud, a lot of difficult conditions. And I think whether it rains or not, they couldn't care less, the participants in the OHL Extreme Challenge Classic. It, it probably will only make it more fun if it's messy weather, right? Right. The cold sometimes gets to you. I remember in uh, 2016, possibly the second year that we did it, up at Camp Cayley on May 20-something, it snowed a little bit. Wow. Um, yeah, wow is right. And, and people were cold. But looking at the forecast, there's uh, expected high temperatures of about uh, 67 degrees. Right. And um, it, the weather should change in the next few days. As there's a new uh, front coming down from the north, now, let's <laughs> take a look at the weather pattern. I see you're, um, fo- I see you're following that closely. Uh, yeah, we are. I'm, we're, I'm, we're following that very closely. I'm following closely that you have over 420 participants, which is unbelievable for a program as young as the OHL Extreme Challenge Classic. You already have over 2,600 donors, which is also remarkable. We want to see that number grow. And you've already raised over $360,000, according to the website ohloxc.org. And leading up to the event, because obviously it's this Sunday, I'm sure this week's going to be an amazing week for uh, for fundraising let's start with the basics can someone still join can someone still be a participant this coming sunday sure absolutely i i mean you know i wouldn't get up off the couch and recommend that you do this um, um you have to be somewhat fit to do this um which is why we also created ooxc which i'd like to talk about in a couple of minutes sure. but um you uh you can absolutely sign up I would say through Thursday is safe, but after Thursday, uh, probably not, because you've got to get up there Sunday morning, and you've got to figure out where you're going to go, uh, if you're going to take a, one of our bus, uh, buses that we provide from various locations. Um, but it's an, uh, it's an extreme challenge. What it is, is a very unique obstacle course up at Camp Cayley in Wurtsboro, New York, in the Catskills, designed to challenge people of all abilities with various obstacles and ultimately to get people to think about the obstacles that OHL individuals have to overcome every day. I mean, that's the natural tie-in, but whether it be a ten, climbing a 10-foot wall or rolling a, a tire up a 40-foot hill at a 70-degree angle or, or you know, uh, like you said, slopping through mud and taking a slide right into a mud pit and having to swim through it and crawl through it. Um, there are a lot of people who like to do that. They enjoy it. They'll, we're going to have close to 500 people, uh, you know, without a doubt. And that means there'll be about 1,000 people up there because at least one person brings, um, at least every participant brings one person with them to cheer them on, on average. So um, there'll be at least 1,000 people up there uh, for the Sunday morning event. And we have a, it's a five-mile course with 30 obstacles. And we even have a inclusion course where there are several obstacles over the course of only a mile and a half. But nonetheless, it's a uh, special challenge, obstacle challenge nonetheless, for those who are young or those who have uh, some disabilities that would prevent them from doing the full five miles. 
The um, in, in addition to what Robert just said, and Robert Katz is with us live via telephone uh, on the um, OL Extreme Challenge Classic website. It says that the event will be at the beautiful site of Camp Cayley. Hundreds of participants will run, climb, jump, crawl, and muscle their way through the extreme five-mile and one-and-a-half-mile obstacle course. There'll be separate start times and waves for elite, for the elite group, for the men's group, the women's group, the teams, the families. Every participant will be challenging their body and testing their limits in support of children and adults with disabilities that face greater challenges every single day. And one of the challenges is to make this event a success. And thank God you've got some uh, individual participants and some teams that have done some uh, wonderful work fundraising um, for the OHEL Extreme Challenge Classic till this point. And I guess we really should just encourage people to uh, choose a participant, to choose a team, log on, and uh, and give as generously as possible to make this event as successful as possible. Well, and here's what happens. It's interesting. This kind of event is obviously geared toward the somewhat too highly competitive individual. Right. And that doesn't just manifest itself in trying to get the course done in a normal amount of time whatever normal means, but they also take each other on in terms of fundraising, and they try to outdo each other. Thank God they try to outdo each other in terms of fundraising for OHEL's children and families. So there's a definite competitive spirit where, you know, folks feel they have to, you know, do this course, win, whatever that means, and uh, also win in fundraising, and that's fine with us. So <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's, it's natural built-in competition. Um, and for those who don't want to be so competitive, take your time. You know, it's like, um, you know, a- any marathon. Take your time, enjoy the sights, enjoy the scenery, enjoy the mud, you know, wipe yourself off, get up. I mean, we have some people who finish the course in, in under one hour, which is just, if I ever, I don't know that you've ever been there for this, Nahum, but um, if you saw this course and, and I told you that people finish this course in under an hour, you would just be blown away. Um, and then there are people who take a couple of hours. No worries. After everyone's done, there's a huge barbecue um, and, 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 and lunch that's offered with ribs and steak and all kinds of great food in the Cayley Dining Hall and the Trench Sammy uh, and Leah Trencher Dining Hall up at Camp Cayley. And so they hang around for a while. They hang around with their families. And uh, then they head home at the end of the day Sunday. Um, and, and for people like you, Nahum, who prefer the uh, thrill of victory, to the uh, thrill of sweat and exercise, um, we've created OOXC, online OXC, where if you'd like to simply um, help OHEL and support OHEL in its 50th anniversary, we're tying our 24-hour online fundraising campaign, like so many organizations are doing these days, we're tying it to the week of OXC. So, Beginning tomorrow at noon for 24 hours, you could um, click a button on your computer and feel the uh, thrill of victory uh, almost as much, hopefully as much, as uh, those who run the course and do well. And you can do it from the comfort of your own couch. All right, where do, we, where do we find that? Where do we find that starting at the noon tomorrow? Ohelmatch.org. Ohelmatch.org. And the Presidium of Ohel. The uh, Consortium of Presidents and Vice Presidents at uh, OHEL will match dollar for dollar. There's no triple. There's no quadruple. You know, we're not doing, okay, if I give, you know, $100, so that turns into four. No, nothing like that. It's just it's a straight match. 
And uh, beginning tomorrow at noon, uh, people can visit ohelmatch.org. Please tell your friends about it. This is not like a gala dinner. This is uh, an event where $25, $50 gifts are, are happily accepted, encouraged, and the more the merrier, and that's how we build a really nice campaign in 24 hours to raise money for Ohel on its 50th anniversary. And in honor of the 50th anniversary, the Presidium has uh, you know, agreed to match any monies that are raised, which is really very nice. And I want to give a special thank you to both Glotmart in Flatbush and Gourmet Glot in the five towns. They will serve as OOXC headquarters for the day where anyone in the area doing any shopping, if you're in Glotmart or at Gourmet Glot, you could stop in and we will have uh, OHEL enablers with tablets standing by to have you log on, make a donation, and um, you could do a mitzvah tomorrow through Wednesday afternoon while shopping. So, oh, what a great idea. Uh, we, I like that. Yeah, so we have live uh, live locations uh, in the five towns and in Flatbush. Um, all right, and, and by the way, I should mention, because I'm sure you uh, – uh, which I understand, you're, you're, you're reminding everybody it starts at noon tomorrow, but I'm going to mention that if they go to the website, anybody goes to the website now, they can actually pre-donate and take care of this obligation uh, today. Um, so if you don't wait, if you don't wait until noon on Tuesday when it officially begins, um, you can pre-donate by going to the site right now, and um, we encourage you to do so. There's a $500,000 goal. We'll obviously remind you about it tomorrow morning, but the most important time to be reminded about it will be after noon tomorrow and then through noon on Wednesday so you can make that part of the O-L-O-O-X-E a great success. Robert Katz is with us. He's Chief Development Officer over at OHEL this coming Sunday. Remember, they provide free bus service. They provide a great lunch. Uh, I think we could say they provide a great dinner as well, right, Robert? I don't know that most people stay through dinner. So the answer is no, we're not giving you dinner. <laughs> so they have Work a, it out on your own. They have a great lunch. Yeah, I, I, forgot, the, I, I, forgot, the, I forgot the schedule there for a moment. Uh, they have a, a, you, you get breakfast. You, get, you do get breakfast and you do get lunch. There you go. That's uh, I, I knew there were two yeah. meals in there somewhere. So breakfast <laughs> and lunch. It's like a flight to Israel, right? Sometimes you get confused. Am I getting dinner or am I getting breakfast? At the OL Extreme Challenge Classic and uh, everything you need is provided. It's an amazing event. If you're if you're looking forward to swimming and slutching through the mud and and really um, uh, trying to excel at thirty different obstacles on a uh, on a long course, here's your opportunity to do so and to help raise the money and to help uh, support OHEL. Now, I do remind you uh, that if you are somebody out there uh, who's um, who's not going to be in Camp Kaylee this Sunday or who is fascinated like I am by this activity but would never dream of participating, uh, there is a way to participate, and that is by going to the website, ohloxc.org, ohloxc.org, and sponsoring one of the participants or teams. Already 2,600 donors have done so. Uh, there are over 400 people to, um, to uh, choose from in terms of who you want to sponsor, and you could help, um, uh, especially during this week, this final week before the event, you could help make this a really successful uh, fundraiser for OHEL. So go to ohloxc.org, ohloxc.org. And, Robert, we should point out that in order to put this together, you need a lot of volunteers, a lot of staff, a lot of people really committed to making this uh, not just a uh, a fun event but a really successful event. Oh, Nachum, um, so many of the OHEL staff 
are going to be joining us that Sunday who have absolutely nothing to do with OXC other than it's to benefit their own organization. Um, so many medics, um, so many um, um, you know members of the Camp Cayley team um, who uh, should not otherwise be working yet on a Sunday afternoon in May will be there to help us out. And uh, certainly we've got plenty of cheerleaders coming. Um, we've got uh, th- there is an infinite amount of work to do when you're dealing with a 30-acre campus and a five-mile course spread out over those 30 acres where uh, so many things have to be taken care of from clearing the path of bottles and uh, wa- you know water bottles that the uh, participants uh, will toss to the side as they're running to uh, sign saying, go this way. <laughs> oh, gosh. don't want the sign pointing you in the wrong direction. <laughs> and, uh, That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, those are volunteers who go out on the course and, and take the ATVs and draw or golf carts. Uh, you can't take a golf cart out until the course, but you could take an ATV. And, um, you know, you got to make signs, sure the signs are pointing in the right direction. Uh, there is no ways on the course. So... <laughs> good old-fashioned signs, and people volunteer for all kinds of things, and the swag is just immense, all kinds of goodies for all the participants. Uh, and it's also interesting, corporate um, corporate groups come to use it as a team-building uh, ex- exercise, uh, whether it be Roscoe, Ben Englander, and his Roscoe uh, Mirrors team, or whether Jack Jaff and Associates, or whether Price Waterhouse, PwC, um, they're all bringing up teams of people and using the day as a team-building event. So um, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good lessons to be learned from OHEL's OXC. There are a lot of good things that take place that uh, are, are don't just involve uh, you know busting it for for five miles and 30, uh, 30 challenges. There, there's a lot to the day overall that has a very big impact on people, and they take a step back and they say, "Wow, um, it, this is a good way to connect OHEL's work with a uh, with uh, to teach us, you know, what exactly it means to literally overcome obstacles." So it happens to be a a, a concept that ties in very very well. Uh, I have, by the way, speaking about Camp Cayley for a second, um, the Cayleys. God bless them, Gloria. She should live and be well. I may have asked him, Harvey, Allah Um, really were visionaries because they didn't only build a camp. They built a, a respite village for OHEL. And whereas most camps open up, let's say, June 25th, Camp Cayley opened up this year on May 3rd. Last Shabbos, May 3rd, uh, two Shabbos ago now, uh, or Shabbatot ago, uh, we had a retreat for 40 women and children who were victims of domestic violence. 23 women and 17 children came up to Camp Cayley for a Shabbos, for a retreat in the country. We were all coming back from our Pesach vacations wherever we were and settling in after two Shabbatot being away for Pesach. And these people have been looking forward for weeks to, to that Shabbos up at Camp Cayley. And it was a very, very special Shabbos. And then just this past Shabbos, Nahum, 50 people, 25 couples who have lost children um, as adults. Aye. In other words, we're not talking about 
you know, parents who lose babies or, 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 um, uh, um, you know, uh, don't carry the full term. We're talking about adult children who have, who have passed away. Their parents convened for a retreat this Shabbos. So while we were all in shul the Shabbos and, and getting together with friends and family, Camp Cayley was serving as a respite village for 50 couples, uh, 50 people, 25 couples, uh, under the guise of, under the, uh, head of, the leadership of Dr. Norman Blumenthal, our Zachter family chair in trauma and counseling, David Mandel, our CEO, was up there. So um, we, were, we were in Young Israel of Staten Island the Shabbos, and we were very grateful to them as always, Rabbi Lairfield and Mel and Phyllis Zachter. We did an appeal uh, in Young Israel of Staten Island, but up at Camp Cayley, uh, that was going on. And then, of course, this Sunday at Camp Cayley is the OXC. So an awful lot of activity, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, God bless the Cayley family for creating, for giving us the ability to do all this, and camp hasn't even started yet. OLOXC, everybody. I'm looking at the virtual tour, Robert. It's unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> we, you, you and I have discussed these obstacles a million times. Uh, I'm Which not... one do you think you could do right now? None of them. None of them. I mean, they're, they are challenging. These are really challenging obstacles. And, um, you know, and, and the ones that look doable, frankly, have their own challenges to them. Like the one with the mud, you know, the mud pit looks doable, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'd have to convince myself to try to, uh, you know, to well, under. The, the key is crawling out of it. It's right. Not falling into it. <laughs> Crazy well, stuff. Check it out, everybody. <laughs> Check out the virtual tour. It's online. If you go to the OHEL website, the OXC uh, website, you'll see it there, OHELOXC.org. And again, you know the most important thing about all of this. The most important thing is that these 423 participants, the number that's just going to grow over the next couple of days, and we invite you to be a participant. They'll make that number grow. Uh, they need to be sponsored. They need to be um, running and jumping and going through the mud uh, for as much money as possible for OHEL. That's that's what it is. That's what it's all about. So OHEL can continue their amazing work. And this challenge, this challenge can really uh, serve as a, um, a very important uh, community symbol to the challenges that so many in our community are going through on a regular basis, as uh, Robert described earlier. So let's make this a big success. OL Extreme Challenge Classic by going to ohloxc.org. Good luck to everybody who's going up on Sunday to participate in this. Everybody in this audience, please make sure uh, to either participate or to participate by being a sponsor. And don't forget that tomorrow we will again remind you, as we will on Wednesday, about the uh, half a million dollar, $500,000 campaign that in honor of OLOXC, um, specific members of uh, OHEL, uh, OHEL's board are undertaking. They're doubling uh, the donations during the 24-hour campaign to encourage people to become volunteers and fundraisers in this light um, uh, of OLOXC for the uh, OHEL organization. We will remind you tomorrow, and we'll certainly remind you on Wednesday once we get toward the uh, the end of that campaign. We hope everybody will participate. And frankly, as I said earlier, if you go to the website right now, you can pre-donate and become part of it right now. Robert Katz, anything you'd like to add about all this? Nahum, thank you very much for um, always being a staunch supporter um, and a fan of, of OHEL. Um, I, I know that it's an organization that, um, that has, uh, I think, made an impression upon you and made it, has made an impression on many, many listeners in the community. It's probably also impacted hundreds, if not thousands, of people listening to your show right now in some way 
shape, or form. And uh, as I tell everyone, you know, literally, as we approach OXC, we do the heavy lifting. Right. Um, and that's a great uh, metaphor for OXC. We do the heavy lifting. Um, you know, we, we can't hang a banner outside our headquarters and say, today we saved three lives. Uh, today we put four families uh, back together. You know, today we reunited three children with, with, their, with their biological mothers. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not the kind of thing where, where, where uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of HIPAA involved. There's a lot of real heavy-duty, um, um, you know, uh, uh, confidential information that, that we know about within our community. And if people, I think the message is, is, is loud and clear. Um, we as a community are no different almost than any other community. We really aren't. Uh, we've got so many issues. We've got so many challenges. And, and that's why OHEL is, is there. We're, we're here to help. We're here to pick people up and elevate them. And uh, people who are broken, and we all break down at times for various reasons, uh, OHEL is there to pick up the pieces with you. And in addition to doing all the heavy lifting, they're also doing the running, the crawling, the swimming, and the climbing uh, through this amazing <laughs> fundraising event this coming Sunday. So sponsor them, everybody. Go to OHEL. OXC.org. The Chief Development Officer for OL is Robert Katz. Robert, thank you. Good luck to everybody on Sunday. Nahum, we appreciate it. And it will be a nice, beautiful day Sunday morning in the country. We look forward to people joining us and supporting our work. Thank you, Nahum. A pleasure. More coming up. You're listening to a Monday morning edition of JM in the AM. Shabbat Shalom. 
ידעתי, ידעתי, ידעתי. כי הנני מיד חור, מיד חור, מיד חור כך רימל ביד, ביד היוצר. ריבוי נורי לומים ידעתי, ידעתי, ידעתי. כי אינני ביד חור, מיד חור, מיד חור לבד. כי אינני ביד חור, מיד חור, מיד חור
There we go. J.M. in the A.M. on a Monday morning broadcast as we head back to school and back to work. And this morning, somebody we've heard of many, many times from an organization that we not only have heard of, but one that we've grown to admire um, since we initially were informed about it, is in our studio live this morning at J.M. in the A.M. Rav Dudi Winkler. Uh, leads a uh, an organization, a group, uh, an important segment of um, of IDF and Yeshiva Life in Israel called Lev Lachayal, a supportive home and spiritual center for lone soldiers of the IDF. Rav Dudi Winkler, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning, Nachum. Where are you from originally? Israel. So you were born in Israel. Born in Israel. Your English is pretty good, I must say. I guess I watched too many movies when I was young. (laughs) And we here on this side of the world are under the impression that the lone soldiers, and really all the soldiers to a degree in the IDF, uh, are well taken care of, have people who worry about them, who feel responsible for them, who make sure that their free time is utilized in a positive fashion, whatever that means, whether they're in a yeshiva environment or not. Uh, And there are many great organizations, I have a feeling you'd agree with that, that really do raise money for for things that lone soldiers and groups of soldiers need in Israel, whether it be supplies or activities during free time, etc., etc., etc. With all that in mind, why is Lev Lachayal necessary? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, I'm very happy that you asked. The uh, there's a lot of organizations over there. There's uh, there's organizations that give them money, that give them uh, food and uh, open restaurants, free time, Correct. weekends, Correct. Uh, give them free backpacks and stuff. A lot of organizations. They all do good stuff, great stuff, and we refer the guys to go to these places. But I would like to ask you, if you had a son who would leave home, leave America, and come to Israel and join the IDF, what would be the most important thing that you would think of that he would need, that you would like him to have? Uh, a family to associate with, to spend some time with, to feel at home uh, with, I would guess. Exactly. So that's, I think this is where our program is very unique. I, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I was a shaliach in Melbourne, Australia for three years. And we did an exhibition there on, uh, on the two kids of Miriam Peretz. Very famous. She got the Israel Award. She lost, people know that she lost two sons. Right. And, uh... We did a live, uh, beautiful exhibition on, on her story, and when we came back to Israel, I, uh, we presented a book with photos of the uh, community of Melbourne being excited and thrilled and, and emotion. They, they got very emotional about the whole story. It was, it was a beautiful exhibition. We came back, and she asked everyone, what are you doing nowadays when you came back to Israel from your shlichut? And I told her, I, uh, I started a lone soldier program, and she yelled at me. She screamed at me. She's like, this is not Jewish. 
There's no such thing as a lone soldier. The concept of being lone in Judaism is, is unbearable. You can't have that. You got to change the name. So the truth is, this is a challenge that I have over the, fast, over the last five years because I'm, I'm looking for a different name or maybe no longer lone soldiers <laughs> program. But, uh, but you're correct, meaning what I would like to have my son, if he were to be a lone soldier, is to have a family, to have a home, to have somebody to take care of him as, as if I was there. Right. Because I would be 6,000 miles away. Right. And uh, I think this is what's unique with us in a way that we also provide them with the food and we also take them to the train and we also give them psychological preparation. We have a psychologist on staff that prepares them with a pre-army program. We give them physical training, every, all the elements that there is a group that gives physical training as well. There's a group that gives them food. Well, the they're, army they're, itself, I would hope, gives physical right, training. But right, but you know, when you come from overseas right. and you're not used to, so it's you think uh, you got to be a Rambo. You, you right. got to get yourself ready <laughs> in order not to get anxiety from what's, what's expected from you. Right. So, uh, so we give them all that, but the thing is, besides the home that we give them and the food and everything, we make sure that they have not just one family, but a community. They have a community, they have an oven and bite in each and every single lone soldier home that we have that makes sure, to, make sure to, to know when they're coming back from base, to have them over all for a meal on Shabbat, right. to have host families in the community for them. And I myself, I go travel and visit them on bases and being in touch with them and their parents as a father. All right, let's, let's slow down for a minute because we, we, you've given a lot of information here. And remember, a lot of people listening are completely unfamiliar with this. Number one, does the Army know you're doing this? The Army know I'm doing this. I'm uh, in touch with the uh, security, with the Ministry of uh, Defense. And uh, with that being said, I also help the guys to process all the bureaucracy and the, okay. and the paperwork. So there's, no, so there's no doubt that even the Army, even those who are ultimately responsible for supervising these young people, they're familiar with the, the, with the fact that you want to help out and that you are, in fact, helping them out you know, to whatever degree you can. Definitely. Okay. Then you mentioned that the, you know, about this family environment. We, when we first heard about Leva Chayal, which was before Mayor Fertig and his family informed us about your work, when we first heard about it, we, we were given the impression that there's a yeshiva in Israel called Leiv HaTorah, which I'm sure many people in this audience have heard of. Um, Harno for Beit Shemesh? Ramad Beit Shemesh. Ramad Beit Shemesh. And at Leiv HaTorah, there is a program, meaning what we were told was if you want to send your son to the army, here's an opportunity to send him to the army and at the same time have him connected to a yeshiva and to people like you who will feel, because they are part of the yeshiva, a responsibility to you know, care for them and follow up with them and make sure that they are well provided for. Is, is, is my description as accurate as yours? It's accurate for the very beginning of the program. It came, the need for the program came for the guys. We had every single year at Levator. Levator exists for 17 years. And there were always guys who wanted to go to the army and after And every yeshiva? single year we had three, four, five, six guys Call who wanted to go vote. to the army. And this is being replicated in many other yeshivot as well, right? Yeah. Where, where there, students decide to stay. Yeah, for sure. There's a few other right. yeshivot that have three, four, five, six guys every single year that want to go to the army. Now, in our case, the, uh, the guys who went to the army, we, we look after our boys even when they go back to the States, to right. Wayut or secular colleges all over. And the guys who stayed in Israel felt that there is a need for more of a support, more of a preparation. And they called us, they called the yeshiva to take initiative and put together a program that, first of all, prepares them for their challenges, but also will help them to deal with all the bureaucracy. It's, you know, you're, you're not used to deal with Israeli offices. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you need an Israeli like myself to, uh, to be able to speak the language and know the terminology. And how long does that process take? They're doing that type of orientation and preparation that you'd prefer to give them 
for a month, two months, three months? How long are they doing this with you? So we normally take guys who are finished Shana Aleph. They go to Israel for a year. And we ask them, we, we tell them that in order to get ready for the army, spiritual, physical, mental, we want them to come back for Shana Bet. And this goes for half a year. Right. It goes from beginning of September till the March draft. Right. That's the ultimate course. And uh, the, the process actually starts when they come back Shana Bet, because then we have to send in all the paperwork. They go to their Tzav Rishon. The first time they meet an army officer and they're being evaluated on physical, mental, spiritual, and also have an Hebrew test. That's also one of the challenges that right. we have to deal with. Good to know the language. Exactly. And uh, that's November time. And uh, because our guys wanted to be in a religious environment, you know, you, you've spent a year in yeshiva, you're coming from a from home, you want to be, you want to feel safe. Sure. So uh, we have... Safe uh, physically and spiritually. Physically and spiritually, to be in a, in a spiritual environment right. and to grow through the army, to use the army, because normally people think, oh, people, you know, get off the derech in the army. So, uh, so we... You've we, seen plenty of success cases in the army, uh, as long as people are supervised properly and have what they need. Yes, but more than that, more than the thing is that the guys, we, we looked at the guys and we asked them, what do you want? What's the need? And they said, we want to start with Klalisa, with everybody. We don't want to be secluded. So at some point at the very beginning, they were in Haredi units right. because they wanted to be without girls and to have Mahadrin food and everything. Right. But then they said, we want to be also with Klalisa. So we want to be in Hezder because Hezder actually are units that are made of yeshiva boys coming from all over Israel, all of the yeshivot Hezder. And at the same time, they're served with Klaus with everybody. Right. Is Leif HaTorah a Hezder Yeshiva? Leif HaTorah became a Hezder Yeshiva last year. We were grant two years it took us and to... And that helps in this whole effort, obviously. Helps a lot because Hezder is huge. There right. are thousands of soldiers going in every single year. So we use them as well. I use the army on one hand. On the other hand, I use the connections of Hezder to get into bases. They are in touch directly with the heads of the bases, and they get me in. So now a young soldier from the U.S. could essentially decide if they want to be in a Hezder program or one like you described earlier what they call Nacha Haredi, right? They could essentially have, have a choice at this point, right? Exactly. If they want to stay under your auspices, so to speak. We take care of everybody. Right. If a guy doesn't want to do Hezder, he right. wants to go into an elite unit, I'll take care right. of him. If a guy wants to do Haredi unit because he uh, he cannot get into Hezder because of the level of his Hebrew, right. I'll help him get through the uh, Haredi unit. Rav Dudi Winkler is here. Um, Every Israeli youngster, and I guess in this case we could say men and those women who want to join the army alike, um, are familiar their entire lives with the procedures of getting into the army. Here, as you described, an American kid comes, many of them not realizing in their first year that they're going to end up with this desire at the end of the first year to enter the army, uh, and they have zero familiarity with what the process is like and what the procedures are and how this whole thing works. So just that, forget all the other stuff for a moment, just that, that you're there to help them in that whole process and in, in trying to orient them to what every Israeli knows innately it seems is a wonderful service but then of course it continues as you described you know much 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 later and further than that it's uh it's completely correct it has two elements my son for example my my I have three oldest sons uh, they start the process Israelis start the process when they're in 11th grade wow. so they're already in the system imagine a guy that comes Shanalif he doesn't he's not in the system he's not in because he's American right then when he uh, when he gets to uh, to Israel, he has to be put into the uh, IDF, Misrada Pnim, Misrada Bitachon, all these offices. He has to get into the system. It takes three to four months to get him in, and it's a very very stressful process because you have to be on it at every single moment to make sure that the name is correct and the, and the documents are there. And they have to come with certain documents and. Uh, and be approved by the army, and everything in the army has to have three signatures. So that's that's why it's very important. The guys who do it by themselves very often 
go, uh, they, they go suffer through a lot of frustration because they don't get back to me. Why don't they go, don't, don't get back to me? It's not like a thing that you click and, and right. you see that all the application <laughs> is ready. Right. No one is chasing after you. You know, you call us. We don't call you. And that's frustrating. And at the same time, also for the parents. I, I sat with a couple of parents now when I came for this visit. And uh, the parents also have this anxiety because they, they're unaware. Mm-hmm. They're unaware of the rights of the kids. They don't know that once a year they're allowed to come back and one trip that they come back home for a month is paid by the army. Right. So they don't know that they have one day off every single month to take care of their things. They don't know that every four months they have a week off. Right, but so, it goes beyond that. A parent who hears from their child that everything is fine, they sit and wonder, is everything really fine? Here they at least know that you're there to you know to make sure everything is fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I tell the parents that I'm I'm... I'm 24-7 available. Right. Uh, the truth is I go to sleep a little bit, but uh, very often in certain parts of the training for three to six months, the, the guys don't have their phones on right. on them right. all day, maybe for an hour at night, sometimes to go for a week without their phones. Right. And therefore, when I have the uh, the contact info of their of their commanders, which I make sure I have before the guys draft into the Army, if the guys were this last week, there was this whole uh, rockets falling, and the yeah. guys on Sunday were on their way to their base. And... When they went to base, their parents were asleep. When they got to base, their parents woke up, but they didn't have their phones on. Right. And they started calling me like, what's going on? Did they make it to uh, to their bases? <sighs> but I have the contact info of the commander. So I asked the commander, please send me a message. I can let, because Israelis don't have this problem, but Americans, they don't they don't realize that we're yeah. in a different time zone. Yeah. So I was there to contact the commanders and let the parents know your, your kids are safe. They're back on base. Your own children have completed the army or have started? Where are your own... Uh... My my oldest my oldest son is in Shir Aleph in uh, Yerucham Yeshivat. About is there, to start, and he's gonna, next year he's going to go to the army. Uh, Rabbi um, uh, Dudi Winkler is here. Leva Chayal is a supportive home and spiritual center for lone soldiers of the IDF. Can you explain? And really, this question would be if you'd be able to sp- stay a lot longer, frankly. But let's get into it a little bit. Can you explain why the American student who you meet at Leiv Hatora? who has gone through the traditional Yeshiva League high schools, as I call them, and I take great pride in that segment of our Orthodox community. I just, you know, have a, a, a special affinity to those schools and camps that are in that, uh, I mean summer camps, <laughs> not, not ideological camps, that are in that segment. Can you explain how it is that they decide after a few weeks of being at Lev Hatara, for instance, that they are going to serve in the Israeli army? It's a... Uh... Uh, that's a serious question. Uh, I normally say in the army, people went to the army know that in the army everything goes in threes. So uh, there's three groups of guys. Right. There are these guys that came from a Zionist home. They went to the Zionist camp, Zionist high school, yeshiva high school, and they met all these shlichim that came to all these uh, Bnei Akiva or other camps, and, and they're just waiting to come to Israel. And their parents are very supportive of that. So they're coming with the ideology that they want. That's what they want to do. That's their dream, living the dream. That's what they want to do. And that's beautiful. That's amazing. And that's, that's kind of easy to work with because it's, it's the bureaucracy, but it's not working on the mental and psychological aspect. Then you have group two. The second group are a group of guys that came, came to Israel. Again, they went through the whole system over here, as you described before. But, um, you know, gap year was cool. It was fun. It was away from home. They really don't want to go back to college. They really don't want to make their minds of what they want to do. And together with that, you know, telling their parents, oh, we really don't want to go back to college. They're going to come out as losers. So at least, you know, they say, you know, we want to, we want to serve the country. So it's not that they're going there lechatchila, right. but, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's the best of, uh, of the two options, whether to go back and search for what to do or to uh, start living in Israel and trying to, uh, to serve in the IDF. The third group, 
a group of people that come from either divorced parents, uh, uh, they lost difficult family situation, difficult family financial situation, and it's easier for them to start over on the other side of the world, so to speak. They think it's easier, right? And uh, for them, the army is an escape, right? And that's where uh, that's where we uh, we step in for this group and the second group, and uh, we spent when we started the program, we insisted to have a psychologist on staff because you know you're not running from anxiety from from right. horrible background right. to a place which has a lot of stress and a lot of pressure because sometimes it's very risky as we know when it comes to uh, you know soldiers who committed suicide so the rates of lone soldiers is very 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 high so right. they're at risk and we're familiar with this and this is exactly why when we, when I asked you before what would you like your if your son were to go I would like my son to know that he has somebody there for him that when he when he's at risk, when he feels that he's lost, that there's no, he doesn't, he doesn't stand what what he's being told to do. He's frustrated. He got stuck on base. Somebody there is turn. a there is a parent. There is a a mentor. There's somebody there for him, not just a home to go back to, but a figure, a person. Levachayal.org is a great resource to get information about Rabbi Winkler's program. Levachayal.org. Years ago, a friend of mine called me to tell me that his son was accepted into the Israeli army. And I wished him a mazal tov. And I heard on the other side of the phone that he was somewhat hesitant. I said, is everything okay? He goes, well, you know, we, we taught our kids to be Zionists and we took them to the right parades and demonstrations and to, told them how to act in terms of Washington, et cetera. Uh, we wanted our kids to be Zionists, but not this Zionist. <laughs> you, know, like, so you can appreciate that, right? Where parents are coming from. <laughs> I really, really appreciate They legitimately it. worry about their children, and of course they should. So at least you're there to step in and uh, and help out in that vein. Listen, we can pull out that, you know, if, they're, if their kids make it into the Army, they finish the Army, they have great Hebrew, they go to college. Right. A lot of parents like to know that then when they make Aliyah, they get... Uh, Free education and right. free uh, and free college. So. And, it's, and it's not just the Hebrew and the and and some of the things you just mentioned. It's also a a, a very positive educational experience. I mean, when when you are able to serve in an army unit, and not everybody gets this because in our community, of course, you know, it's not the positives of the army are, are often neglected to to be mentioned. Uh, but there are skills, and there are you know, uh, uh, and there are th- uh, things one can incorporate into their own lives, which only help. When they get married, when they have their own families, when they pursue work, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm sure you've seen that a million times. There's few parents that uh, that told me that they're really, really thrilled about their kids going to the army. It's like, what's the reason? Is it Eritrean? No, they're completely messed up. ADHD. Right. They don't discipline. They're, they're discipline, right. and they're looking forward for it. And I've seen that. You know, guys that I've seen having problems waking up in the morning, right. coming to shacharis, coming to shiurim. And they got no they, choice. Now, <laughs> no. When they come back from the army, they're the first at minion. They come earlier. They used to wake up now, and they have discipline, and and it's important for them. And uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think I think also uh, when it comes to uh, what you gain from the army, you um, you believe in yourself. Right. You, you they set self confidence. They, they set themselves for goals. You know, every after two months, three months, they get their hashba'a. They swear in, so they have accomplished something. They get their tag, and they do stuff for that. Life they, is all goal driven. If only certain segments of our community would understand that life is goal driven, and when you have a a course of study, or as you just said, you know, certain accomplishments that you are aiming toward, and you're able to look back and say, "I've now done this. Now it's time to do this." It's a, uh, it's a much different learning experience. And like I say, I wish certain the segments of our, of our community understood that. Where is the Leva Chayal House for Lone Soldiers? 
So we have three houses. Three wow, homes. that must be expensive to maintain. Yeah, we have. Uh, we've started uh, with with two apartments that we uh, rented from uh, from the landlords and uh, the two in Beit Shemesh in Ramat Beit Shemesh across the street from the yeshiva. Wow! So when they come back home, how many can accommodate? Uh, right now, with the third house that we just bought, uh, they can accommodate up to twenty-eight chayalim. Wow! And we have twenty-eight chayalim in the neighborhood. We have thirty-eight altogether in the army at the moment. Some of them, after a year, year and a half, moved out to Givat Shmuel, to Yerushalayim, to live on their own. They come back for weekends sometimes, and they want to spend Shabbatonim with us. And I still go visit them on bases. But at the same time, at the moment, we have room for twenty-eight guys. The and boys currently in Leif HaTorah must get tremendous influence from them. I mean, it, I would guess. Yom Azikaron. Imagine Yom Azikaron yeah. night. The guys goes, the the soldiers, many of the soldiers got off. A lot of them stayed on base, but many of them got off because they have to, the following, they have to stand by graves and, re, and right. respect the uh, the families of right. the fallen soldiers. And they came back early. They let them out early. And the first thing a soldier that comes back home wants to do is to get rid of his uniform and, and take a bath. And I, I text them all and I said, listen, we've got a mission here. The mission is to come to the yeshiva for the tekkes at 8 o'clock before the siren. And, uh, and you're coming with your weapons, with your guns, with your representative uniform, and you're showing, you're giving, you're a role model now for the next generation of those who, uh, who might follow your footsteps. And the truth is, they, uh, they all did, and they came, two of them spoke before the siren. We had like five minutes before the siren went on. And, uh, and they spoke to, uh, to all the other Talmudim of what's their experience of what Yom Azikaron is, is for them. They come back for Shabbatot. Sometimes they come and eat in the yeshiva. And uh, we, we're going to have a Shabbaton soon when guys are going to come from other yeshivot. And that's where it's not just Leva Torah. Right. At the beginning, we start with Leva Torah students. But now, people from other yeshivot that knows that here with us, they're going to have somebody to take care of them and run through the bureaucracy with them, but also take care of them. And that's when you mentioned uh, David Ferdig before. He didn't go to Leva Torah for Shana Aleph. He went to a different yeshiva. And, uh, and Ashmuda, he knew that the yeshiva that he went to would not necessarily be supportive or help him through the process. He came to us. It's hard. It's very hard for guys to come in Shir Bet, Shana Bet, to our yeshiva to integrate with guys who spend the whole year together. But we work very hard. We try very hard to get them together into a group, into unity, to bond together. And uh, with this new house, it was it was beautiful because you saw how they, when we bought the house, they were all excited about it. Like, are you going to make it? Are you going to... F- you know, make the monies, get the monies to buy the house. We took some loans. We, we This is why I'm here in America right now, fundraising for the uh, completion of, of paying back the loans for the house. But uh, we got the house from a divorced family. They had to paint it. The uh, community police officers heard about the whole project. And 15 police officers came to paint it together with our boys. They were working together, designing together. They're involved with every single aspect of what beds we're going to get, what closets we're going to get. It's like building your own home. And then when, when David Fertig comes back and after a week, he says, this is a place I want to come back to. This is a place I can call home. So it's, for me, it's, it's a lot of nachas. Unbelievable. Rav Dudi Winkler is here. Lev Chayal, a supportive home and spiritual center for lone soldiers of the IDF. Well, you mentioned the the money's necessary, and frankly, as these boys keep coming back and, and as they continue to become you know, deeper and deeper role models for the younger men who are in your yeshiva and other yeshivas, you're going to need a lot more than 28 beds. <laughs> you're going to need a lot, agree, more, a lot more accommodations because... It's only going to increase the interest that the young people are going to have for going to the army. First of all, I help guys from other places as well, right. those who don't go through us. Secular people, girls called me and, and their parents asked me to help them to go through the system. And I help everyone who wants to uh, draft into the army and uh, get himself guided through the whole procedure. Uh, at the same time, we should know that you mentioned at the very beginning, 
lone soldiers has lots of uh, benefits. Right. They, they don't just have the salary of a regular Israeli. They have right. a salary on top of that. And also, on top of that, they, uh, they get uh, 1,300 shekels, which are given to them if they show a rental contract. That's for rent and utilities. So at the moment, as you mentioned before, if we have to rent these places and we get their fridges full and their, their cabinets full with food and we host them for Shabbatot and we get them into meals and we go visit them on bases, we hire oven and bite, right. the expenses are huge. And therefore, it doesn't break even. That's what we had to, uh, to fundraise a lot. Now with a new home, we came with a new strategy, which is we're going to seek out to the parent body and to... Our friends in the United States, in Canada, in Australia, which we have in, in South Africa, we have soldiers from all over the place, and we're going to seek for the community's help to help us to buy the real estate, because once now we have a house, the rental money that comes to us actually allows us to, uh, to go ahead, and that's the way where we can just break even and even be able to give more to these guys. So now we have two houses that we rent and one that we own, but we're looking forward to break out tomorrow. There's going to be a Hanukkah Tabayit in Beit Shemesh. I'm going to make it. The mayor, the new mayor, the revolutionary mayor of, of Beit Shemesh. Has she been cooperative? Aliza yeah, Bloch is going to be there tomorrow. She wants to take initiative and be part of it because that's the pride of Beit Shemesh, that they have a Hezdi Yeshiva now and they have a large Datilomi community, and she wants to be involved. And uh, we're going to get the the, uh, the area, the city, you know, on board. And, uh, and our goal is actually to, uh, to, at the end of the day, put together a campus, a campus that the city is going to give us the place, the the, the, the the grounds, and uh, we're going to have to fund the monies. And then the money that comes from the army for the rent will help us to uh, sustain the program. It'll be a peaceful Hanukkah Tabayid, right? It's be a very the, the whole community is, is invited in. I say that because sometimes the people who like to cause trouble get all the attention. People should realize that the support for your yeshiva, for so many yeshivot and institutions and so many wonderful soldiers and community members there in uh, Beit Shemesh, Ramat Beit Shemesh is amazing, and people have to focus on that. And not the other things. So yeah, they're aware and they want to come. There's a lot of ladies in the community that that come weekly. There's a, there's an angel in the community, Yehuda Shemroth. I just have to mention her. She uh, five years ago we had a, a soldier, and uh, he 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 came he became famous because he went to the army. He made aliyah. He was in the paratroopers. He finished the army. We brought him back to yeshiva as a madrich. He got engaged, and he was diagnosed with cancer two weeks after his engagement. And uh, I was supposed to be Masada Kiddushing at his wedding. Yeah, he ended up being back here in America in Sloan Kettering to go through uh, treatments. I came here to visit him when uh, when he was taking during the treatments, and he, uh, thank God, you know, came back on his feet, and uh, he's back in Israel. The wedding was a couple of months ago. I did wow. the wedding, and uh, and Yehudis when she uh, when she got to know Mendel, this uh, Mendel Gordon here from Brooklyn, she uh, she decided she's going to be a mother, and she got him everything, everything. Then she realized. There's 10 of them. Now she knows there's 28 of them. She gives them a call every, every, every Thursday, every Friday. I'm going shopping right now. What else do you need? She gets them all the, all the pinukim, all the spoiling. She gets them things that I don't get, uh, all the drinks and snacks. <laughs> and then I, I, wish I, would, uh, alone, I wish I would be a lone soldier. And, uh, and she, together with myself, go and take them and rotate, take them shuttles to the, uh, to the train. Because, again, the bus to the train from Ramah Bichemish takes 40 minutes. On a, in a car, it's seven, eight minutes. And every minute counts yeah, on a Sunday or Friday. So working on it together. We're looking to, uh, to expand and to get more people in the community involved. All right. Um, we're way behind schedule. We, we got to get to the point, and the point is that if anybody in this audience wants to help 
Leiv uh, Chayal, how do they do it? What what should they do in order to uh, either support the uh, the new building, as you described, the new apartment, or in general, if they want to donate and help in this in this regular effort, as round the clock effort to help the Israeli soldiers? Okay, so first of all, you can go online on levlachayal.org, and uh, there's a donation uh, link over Simple there. Simple as that. Simple as that. And but uh, you know, I think that. I'm looking for partners. I think that it's not just about, you know, you, you can go to a parlor meeting and end up getting checks from people, and it's very nice. Sometimes it's a feeling of, we, we like it, we support it, let's move on. There's a lot of orga- organizations out there. I'm looking for partners. I, I want people to, same as I think of lone soldiers my entire life. Somebody asked me, if you would had like $15, 20000000 million in your bank account, what would you be doing? So maybe five, ten years ago, I would say, I would go back to yeshivas and learn, you know, and, uh, and support my children. Now I know that I'm going to do that, but I'm going to keep on doing what I do because this is my dream, to get those guys that come from Chutz Arts and want to serve in the army to do what they do. So that's and, my and dream. The, and those who have significant money, who want to be your partner, can literally help you build these apartments and homes and take care of lone soldiers. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah, buy, buying a home in yeah. Malabi Chemish costs somewhere around six hundred seven hundred thousand dollars That's to buy a home. Uh, but uh, but regardless, if a person you know, not every person is is out there to say you know I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a million. I'm gonna name the program you know and dedicate the program to to allow us to give even more and get cars and more staff to support the guys. But if a person wants to to feel connected, and I want fe- people to feel connected, what we do is is to set up you know when I I have two organizations in Israel, I'm, I'm a big fan of them, and I I give them a monthly uh, donation, and I follow up what they do. I want to be part of it. I want to see what they do. So you you go on Facebook, or you uh, when you give a donation, you give us your contact info, and we'll send you monthly updates with photos, with messages that you feel that you're part of. The uh, the geula of Am Yisrael and the return of the Am Yisrael back to its land. All right, um, Rav Dodi Winkler, we could do this for a lot longer, and I am inviting you back again to spend time and discuss more of these topics with us. Today, though, after this uh, wonderful conversation, I am asking our listeners, those who want to support lone soldiers and become a partner with Rabbi Winkler in this incredible effort, just go to the website, lavelachayal.org, lavelachayal.org. Dot org and to donate as generously as you can. Thank you for taking care of our boys and all the other members of uh, the Jewish nation that you're taking care of, those who are not from Orthodox homes, those who are women, as you as you mentioned, and others. Uh, but certainly thanks for taking care of our boys. And uh, let them know, transmit a message to them from Nahum Siegel, if you will, that it's because of them that we are able to live in freedom and luxury in places like this, not just in Israel, where it's obvious, of course, because they're protecting the land and the state. But let them know that we, that we, some of us, know that we are only able to live the life that we have here because of their efforts. And I thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me today. I'll be very happy to come back. And whenever you come to Israel, anybody who's listening to this program, to, to the show right now, whenever you come to Israel, you want to see. You want to see the things that happen. You want to co- you're going to go. You want to come visit our soldiers and, uh, and show them your gratitude and hakarata tov. You're more than welcome. Just be in touch with me. Find me on Facebook. You can find my contact info on the website. I'm always available for you. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. on a Monday morning as we head back to school and back to work on day 23 in the counting of the Omer. If you got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Today's the first day of Bahab. If you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. Some rain in the New York area with a high of 51. 85 in Yerushalayim. We're at 44 here in New York City here at J.M. and the A.M. My apologies to Leo Brandstatter, who's always a great guest of ours. He, uh, He's with us live via telephone. I say apologies because my conversation with um, Rabbi Winkler went uh, overtime. 
for good reason, as you heard. Uh, Leo Brenstetter is executive director of the New York office of the Jerusalem Institute for the Blind, and they have an event coming up this weekend, which we will tell you about. Um, Leo Brenstetter, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. It's a pleasure to be back. I appreciate that. Your organization, uh, you know, th- there are a lot of people in this audience who do not know of it and do not know of its work. And the last time you were on, you gave us such an amazing description of what's done on a regular basis there uh, in Israel. Um, and I know you have something coming up here, which we will talk about. First, I'm going to ask you just to to review for us. Give us the uh, give us the um, a summary of the work that the Jerusalem Institute for the Blind is doing on a regular basis. The Institute, which started in 1902, wow. has been at the forefront of caring for blind children and increasingly older uh, adults as well, and um, has a unique philosophy when it comes to caring for blind that I think is catching on and being embraced throughout the world, and that's part of this tour that I'll describe for you in a moment. But it boils down to we do not accept the fact that blind people have to be dependent. We do not accept the fact that blind people have to uh, you know, rely on others and constantly be uh, the, you know, the poor blind person. Blind people have so much to offer, have so much of an opportunity to compensate, and the goal of the Jerusalem, Jewish Institute for the Blind, we call ourselves the Jerusalem Institute here in the States, but the Jewish Institute for the Blind in Yerushalayim, their goal is to make sure that um, the blind do uh, not stand there, wait for others to assist them, but look for ways to assist others. By the way, and here's the uh, info I wanted to, uh, and and I want to tell our audience about, those who are in the Teaneck area this coming Shabbat, the entire Teaneck community is invited to join the Jerusalem Institute for the Blind at a special JIB Shalosh Sudot. It's uh, happening with JIB leadership, and it's going to be at Congregation B'nai Yishurin in Teaneck, New Jersey, this coming Shabbat. Uh, you'll be able at that point to learn more about the uh, Institute in general. Um, why is it that I'm not surprised <laughs> that that in Israel they make this effort to make sure that instead of the uh, th- those who are uh, who are blind needing assistance from others, uh, those who are blind can be as independent as possible? Why does it seem to me that that is a unique attitude for Israelis and Jerusalemites? Well, it's time that the Jewish world accepted it not as an Israeli attitude but as a Jewish attitude. Um, we are no longer the, the Jew in the corner. We are caring for ourselves, and part of caring for yourselves is, it boils down to being uh, cognizant of others' problems right. and dealing with them. It's one world. We're all united. It's pretty amazing. And uh, well, it's not just that. I think there's also a a, a, a an amazing positive attitude that even one with a disability, that even one with you know a severe disability, what we what we would consider one, um, can be as independent as possible and can work to be as independent as possible. And I would guess that your staff and the people that are there at JIB, uh, I, I guess they're always working toward that goal, right? They are indeed. In fact, speaking of the staff management in particular, we've had a recent change in management, and um, the three who head the organization now, Shabi Deutsch, Rachel Skrobish, and Menucha Trapp, 
who um, are the executive director, uh, uh, deputy director, and principal of the school, are all here on a professional tour, yeah. which begins today, as a matter of fact, in Canada. And we, in their American arm, are, are with them on this. And uh, we, they will be visiting the premier uh, organizations who care for the blind, both in Canada and in the States. The goal being to create relationships, to share information and approaches. And what's wonderful to me is the fact that Little Israel stands shoulder to shoulder with the giants of the world when it comes to caring for the disadvantaged. And um, that's something we can all be very proud of. Leo Brandstad is with us. He heads the uh, New York office, Jerusalem Institute for the Blind. And as he just mentioned, and it is an amazing thing, this unique group, uh, which includes the, uh, I guess we'd say, senior JIB personnel from Israel, are starting today this incredible tour up in Canada. They are going to visit institutions um, in Ottawa, Brooklyn, Spring Valley, Manhattan, Watertown, Massachusetts, and Newton, Massachusetts, all of which are either schools or centers for the blind. Now, Leo, would it be fair to say that they, meaning your colleagues, will be teaching and educating uh, people in uh, in these institutions about certain things they do in Jerusalem, and would it be fair to say that at the same time they'll be picking up some tips and procedures from these institutions in the U.S. and Canada? I think all of that is correct. I wouldn't view it as teaching. I would view it as colleagues sharing information right. and working together to develop a state-of-the-art approach that all centers of the world can embrace and can use to the benefit of the blind. All right. Uh, what's the schedule, or I should say better, of, I should say it better, what is the uh, program for Sudat Shlishit this coming Shabbat at Congregation B'nai Yishurin in Teaneck, New Jersey? So there are a lot of people in this audience that have the potential to visit during that time and to gain from that session. What will happen once they attend? Well, Sudash Lishit will begin at 8.10 okay. in the social hall uh, downstairs at uh, Congregation um, uh, B'nai Shurin. And um, our opportunity there is for uh, the three guests that we'll be hosting to speak on behalf of the organization and to give uh, our guests uh, who are joining us for Shalashudas a firsthand opportunity to meet them and to hear about the terrific work that they're doing there. All right. So New Jersey, get ready, specifically TNEC, the Jerusalem Institute for the Blind, and its distinguished personnel will be visiting this coming Shabbat starting at 8.10 on, um, uh, on Shabbos Eve, meaning, uh, well, Shabbos evening, I guess, would be a better way of saying it, during Sudach Lishit. And information, Leo, if people want to be in touch uh, with you about um, the Jerusalem Institute for the Blind, what would be the best way to do that? Our email address is ny, as in New York, at jewishblind.org. ny at jewishblind.org. If you have a question or if you'd like to um, get more information about what's happening this coming Shabbat. And I think last time you were on, you did invite this audience, anybody who wishes. And, and there are a lot of people in this audience, aside from those who just like to support great causes. There are also a lot of people who, frankly, have family members and others that would benefit from an association with the uh, Jerusalem Institute for the Blind. Uh, yeah. and, and I believe you did offer that anybody who comes to Israel, they should be in touch with you, and uh, they'll be able to set up a tour and be able to see what goes on there on a regular basis. 
Yes, absolutely. That's something that we look forward to having people see what we do, because seeing is not only believing, it's sharing, and it's becoming part of what we do. All right, Leo Brandstetter, I hope Shabbat is a big success in Teaneck and continue your wonderful work with JIB. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Pleasure is mine. Thank you. Leo Brandstetter on a Monday morning. Everybody out there, remember, JIB is going to be well represented in Teaneck this coming Shabbat at Sudachli Sheet 8 10 p.m. on Shabbat. Uh, go and um, and meet some amazing people who are doing great work in the holy city of Jerusalem. Monday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up. If you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. as we start to wrap things up. The um, uh, the Israel show with Mayor Weingarten is next. On the next live edition, he'll speak about a necessary history lesson for Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. Oh, yeah, she needs a history lesson is right. Israeli prosecution's case at the Duma trial seems to be falling apart. Mayor will discuss that. The great Schwiss controversy rages around former Miss Israel and Miss World. Mayor will discuss that. It's Sphere Reform at Israeli Music Mix as well. It's all happening starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time right after JM in the AM. Make sure to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a Monday here at JM in the AM. Plenty more tomorrow starting at 6 a.m. Mayor Weingarten is next with the Israel Show at 11 a.m. Jake Novak will be on. There is no after further review today because Yoni is uh, is away, but that'll return, I'm sure, next week. By the way, at 11 a.m., Jake Novak on Novak Now will discuss what we all need to know about China, the origins and results of bullying, and how Israel is different in the cycle of victimhood. It's all coming up at 11 a.m. with uh, Jake Novak on Novak Now here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.